Hey everyone, this is Cameron with the Plain Sight Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. This week is going to look a little bit different because Alex and Zach did not join us this week. Um, I got a chance to sit down with a couple leader friends of mine from Springfield, Missouri, uh, Tara Orr and Blake Haynes, student body president and vice president of Missouri State University. Um, a couple just incredible leaders that I know. Um, we were able to sit down and have uh, an extremely vulnerable conversation about um, about leadership and mental health. Uh, we we got to chat about uh, what it looks to lead in the midst of COVID and and how that's um, becoming more difficult, and what it looks like to lead people um, who might struggle with mental health. Um, this month of September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And just last week was National Suicide Prevention Day. Um, so we wanted to dedicate um, an episode just to talking about that and having that conversation. Um, we will attach in the episode description um, some links for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline um, and some informational things so you can learn a little bit more about it as well. We encourage you to do some research about this topic Um Please enjoy the episode. Um, I know you will miss Alex and Zach's voice as much as I do, um, but do not fret. They will be back next week. Uh, That being said, you don't need to hear from me. Let's dive in. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Plain Sight podcast. Uh, as you can probably tell, this is not your normal host, Alex Sons. Uh, this is your typical good old buddy, Cameron Jordan, as the host of this week's episode. Um, here with a couple special guests um, to bring you a special one today. First up, uh, we have Blake Haynes, pop culture phenom, co-host of the Beyond the Barriers podcast, a conversation about student leadership, a Missouri State University student body vice president, uh, and one of my best friends, Blake Haynes. Blake, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, hello. Um, So I am from um, Kansas City, so Blue Springs, the same, well, I live down the road from Cameron back home. Um, I, much like Cameron said, I'm obsessed with everything pop culture. Um, That's kind of where I'm hoping to take my career into um, after May is up, but we'll see what happens. Um, I've been heavily involved on Missouri State's campus over the last few years, um, and yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Great. Well, we are glad you are here. Next up, we have Tara Orr, uh, Missouri State Student Body President, Hill City Leader, Kansas City Enthusiast, and one of my favorite people in the world, Tara. That's how are you? Sweet. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about you. Um, a little bit about me. I'm also from Blue Springs, like everyone at this table. <laughs> um, um, I'm from Lee Summit. Okay, you. whatever. You live in Blue Springs, so let's not talk about it. Um, so I'm from Blue Springs, huge Kansas City person, anything, everything Chiefs. Um, I don't know. I'm a leader at Hill City. That's one of my favorite things I'm doing right now. Student body president. Yeah, that's exciting. Love working with you guys. Um, yeah, there's nothing too exciting <laughs> Well, that's just far from the truth, but we are going to dive into that. Um, Obviously, we have worked together um, going on three years now. Heck yeah. Um, We've come a long way. 
um, from y'all hating each other in high school. Okay, that's just like not the case. <laughs> um, to Tara calling me fat the first time that we ever had a conversation. Literally. So we we have come a long way as as friends. Um, but um, I want y'all to get a chance to talk about yourself some more to our audience. So my first question for you is, what are some of your favorite podcasts? So you don't have to raise your hand. This is an audio <laughs> medium. No one can see that. No, but I wouldn't like to know where I was going. Okay. <laughs> so I run every morning, and every morning when I run, I listen to a sermon from the porch, just kind of get my day going and get in that mindset of just, like, thinking about God and kind of preparing my day for what's to come. Because, you know, stressful jobs. Mm-hmm. How lovely. Um, I don't run every morning, actually. <laughs> Never. But um, so my favorite podcast, I get it. Okay, whatever. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. Um, I haven't in a while, but it used to be like my go-to thing I would listen to um, on the drive from Springfield to KC or vice versa. Great podcast, always has really great guests. Um, but then um, besides that, um, like Cameron said at the beginning, I recently started um, a podcast with. Um, one of Missouri State's faculty. Um, her name is Dr. Tara Benson, and so we run one called Beyond the Barrier, where we kind of just dive into student engagement and what it looks like to be a student on Missouri State's campus, um, how to get involved, how to stay engaged, and how to just like make the most of your four years um, while you're at Missouri State. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we will link the Beyond the Barrier podcast in our description, so go check that out. Um, make sure you give them a listen. Um, so you both kind of mentioned your positions at Missouri State. Talk to me a little bit about um, your role, what you do, um, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, as student body president, it's a lot of kind of being the face of SGA, I guess. I get a lot of emails from students about a ton of things. And my role has definitely changed a lot because of COVID and what that means. It's kind of confusing it's a very difficult time I'll be completely honest but it's very nice to have a full cabinet of like what 19 people amazing people to kind of help Blake and I just really succeed throughout this year Um, so basically SJ's job is to um, connect the students voice to faculty and staff and leadership and just be that bridge for them yeah um I would say, I mean, we work very closely together, so um, a lot of the things that she does, I kind of tag along as well. Um, but I would say one of my favorite things, I guess, that we've kind of done so far is that our positions have looked a lot different than in years mm-hmm. past. Um, it's interesting because um, all three of us at the table have been involved in um, our Student Government Association for four years. but. Um, really this year is nothing like any year before so there was almost nothing to work off of so we were kind of starting from the ground up on a lot of new initiatives new ways to handle things making everything like COVID-fied and (laughs) (laughs) and um, I don't know just like still doing our best to make students feel welcome on our campus despite what's going on in the world and yeah and then helping them like kind of get that same experience that we did when we were first year students just in a different way now Um, But yeah, it's been really cool. I mean, we've gotten to help with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, kind of both in the summer and um, a few weeks ago on campus. 
Um, we've gotten to be in a lot of different conversations about COVID and what that looked like over the summer, but then also what that looks like moving forward and how to go about different things. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's interesting to be on the inside and really get to be um, a couple of those students who get to be the voice of all 26,000 students on campus to administrators. Um, it's very rewarding, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you both have kind of alluded to this, but um, tell me about some other roles you have um, either on campus, um, just different hats you wear on or off campus, um, either currently or, or other things you've done over the last four years. Okay. I know there's a lot. There's Our feet are in a lot of puddles <laughs> yeah. at this table. Yes. So I think starting off college, I joined a sorority, got pretty involved with that, and then I got really involved with SGA. Um, obviously <laughs> and some other things I do I have a job on campus I am a marketing specialist for the food and dining company on campus Chartwells and then I also am in the accelerated master's program so I'm getting my master's currently um, <laughs> um, so I will graduate this fall with my undergrad and the next fall with my MBA so it's crazy to think I'll only have been in college for four and a half years and have my MBA like what um, I'm a leader in my church outside of campus, which Hill City is absolutely incredible. It's really transformed my college experience. And then I'm a big believer. So in high school, I spread myself way too thin and got involved in so many things. And then I said, I'm not doing that with college. So I kind of dove really deep into a couple organizations. And that's why I'm as involved as I was with SGA. But then there's people like Blake who have done absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy to think, uh, like looking back three years ago now, because I just wholeheartedly didn't, I wouldn't have thought at the time that I would have done everything that I've done now. Um, I've kind of taken myself on a lot of different leadership and experience-based paths over the last few years. Um, so much like Tara, I got involved within my campus life. So. Um, did Student Activities Council for a year, um, been involved in University Ambassadors, giving tours of campus. Um, I joined a social fraternity my first year that I held a lot of different roles with. Um, was on homecoming court last fall, studied away last summer. Where? Um, I'd love to know. Okay, everyone gives me ever crap for <laughs> studying away in London. No, we do not honestly, give you crap for studying away in London. Everyone just needs to do it. It's life-changing, it's amazing. I will never stop talking about that trip. That's my, what we that's what we give you crap about. My grandchildren one day will probably know everything about my trip. Like it's just one of those things. But anyway, um, but yeah, and then I'm also um, sort of involved within kind of outside of campus life as well. So um, I work at KSMU, which is the public radio station here in Springfield, as well as I just started interning with um, 417 Magazine, which is a lifestyle magazine based. Um, in Springfield, but kind of covers everything in the Ozarks area. Um, so that's really fun. I am the digital um, intern, so I work with like their um, digital coordinator, working on their website and social media and different stuff like that. So very involved, very busy all the time, but it's very worth it and I'm very happy with everything I've done, so. Yeah, lots and lots of hats, but um, no other way to do it. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about leadership. That's kind of the point of this um, episode, but before we dive into that, um, just a couple other questions just to get to know y'all. Um, first, if you had an evening to spend with any celebrity, who would it be and what would you do? I want to spend it with Jesus. I literally want to just like 
Hughead one. Okay, we don't we don't want the Sunday school answer. No, that's like truly. I am not a fan of pop culture. That's just not something I'm into. Boring. I know. If you need a world answer, Zach Efron because he's hot. But <laughs> in all honesty. Okay, then maybe don't answer the what would you do part of that question. Um. No, but in all honesty, like I don't have anyone that I'm just like I need to meet them. Like Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I definitely love them, but like I'm okay not meeting them. Okay. Respect. I don't know. I just have no desire. Respect. Mine would be John Mayer, and we all know that. Anyway, oh, we Blake. all know that. Listen, on the flip side, I have a whole list ready. Oh my um, gosh. I don't really know. I'm kind of a torn between Ryan Seacrest and Oprah. Um, you met I, Oprah today. Yeah, you did meet okay, Oprah today. You guys, I met her in disguise. I talk about, but anywho, I would love Mark, to meet the real in person. No disguise, Oprah, but also Ryan Seacrest because I really admire them both for different reasons. Um, do you have an Oprah pillow? Oh no, I do have a Ryan Seacrest pillow though that um, my friend Cameron here gifted to me, um, which I do love. I don't know. I it would be one of maybe both of them. I would just completely take away your question and just hang out with both of them, <laughs> and we would probably just like, screw you and your question. Just like yeah, I don't know. Maybe they would fly me out to Oprah's house. So that'd be kind of cool. And oh, maybe yeah. have um, not really a tea person, maybe a cup of coffee or a bottle of wine. Either one is really fine with me. Um, but yeah, that's what we would do. I think you and Ryan Seacrest are both far too busy to line up schedules enough to hang out for anything. Right, but Oprah's like sort of retired. Like not really, but like if, if a famous person is retired, that's what she is. So I think she would definitely have time for me. Okay, that's fair. I can respect that. Just like, just BB. Um, okay, so don't. Uh, okay, I guess you can. Your answer to this next one can be Jesus, um, but also I challenge you to reach out more. Um, who is your favorite character in the Bible, and why? Ooh, that I need to think. Mine is Shamgar. Have we talked about Shamgar? No. Um, Judges three thirty one mm-hmm. says, and after him, him being Ehud, who slayed the fat king because he was left handed and nobody accounted for that, so he snuck a sword in and stabbed him in the stomach. <laughs> Lefties win. Lefties win. Um, so after him came Shamgar, um, who um, he was like this great warrior. Um, and the only verse about him says he slayed 800 Philistines with an ox goad and he too saved Israel. That's it. That's all Shamgar gets. He gets one verse and it's about him just beating the crap out of 800 people with an ox goad. That's so cool. So Shamgar is my hero. What about y'all? so many to choose from yes it can be silly it can be serious I was very big on like worldly things sure and just kind of really realizing it is all vanity and it is chasing after the wind and that he did experience all that stuff and he still is like claiming that God is better no matter what you have what you do how you experience life that God is the answer 
but yeah homeboy went all out also if you're into the enneagram a lot of people say that sevens are like king solomon <laughs> uh that 100 percent checks ha, out ha, ha. <laughs> that is... not sure if that's a good thing okay i'm not saying it's a good thing but also like we're homeboys you're right you are a homeboy with king solomon blake <laughs> who's your biblical homeboy or homegirl to be honest i don't know i'm researching right now is it the uh, I, was gonna say, I was gonna say is it the donkey that spoke i thought oh, that would be kind of funny hilarious. it's a little funny Are you saying Blake is the wife that nobody wants? <laughs> I mean, that's how you interpret it. It's not Rachel. I can't think of her name. It's making it weird. I'm trying to think of other just absolutely obscure ones. I mean, there's a lot just there's in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, I relate to the stone that David hit Goliath with. Ruth is fascinating. And Ruth is awesome. her whole just like, yeah. Ruth Boaz, right? Like mm-hmm. who she is and her like kind of journey, I guess, was really always like fascinating to me. Um, and I feel like it was well, not always, always was like brought up within um, like Bible studies or like church. Or, I don't know. I just like feel like I heard her name a lot. She just always was really fascinating to me. She's awesome. Yeah. Go Ruth. Team Ruth. So, fun fact about Ruth. You know her? Uh, yes. <laughs> we're they get coffee. Very close. Um, Ruth is one of the only women listed in the lineage of Jesus. Back then, women being in any lineage was not a thing, but I believe there are only two, and it's Ruth. Do you know the other one? Pop quiz. Is it Sarah? Rahab, the prostitute. Oh, homegirl. Yeah, so kind of of, uh, fascinating. Just my, my fun fact about Ruth. For the day. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the main reason we're here um, for this episode, we want to have a conversation um, about leadership. Um, Blake and Tara, you both are um, leaders on campus in a few different capacities. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions um, about your experiences. And part of this, you know, you can connect it back to your current positions, um, but also just being a leader in um, relationships and in friendships and just however you want to answer them. Um, it doesn't have to be SGA. Um, but with that, um, my, my first question is, who are some leaders that y'all look up to? Either people you know, celebrities, pastors. Um, who, who are your leadership inspirations? <laughs> and bless, bless you. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. That That's will be fine. in the podcast. That's fine. Getting that big inhale. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, mine, I think it would be my church. I'm sorry. I'm obsessed <laughs> with Jesus. <laughs> I think it's my church just because with a lot of the hard things that have been happening this year, every single time I've been overwhelmed or not knowing what to do, I will reach out to someone in my church, whether that be like, our lead pastor or um, 
just different families and the husband and wife and just reaching out to them and getting guidance because I don't know what to do and I want like the most logical but also biblical thing to do because I kind of said running the whole purpose of me running was for ministry and I don't want to stray from that so I think just the opportunity to reach out to families and just adults in the church is has been an incredible opportunity so I just think Hill City is really dope for that yeah absolutely Blake um I have a few I would say like on the like pastor side of it um there's two so I really love um Rich Wilkerson and like everything he does I've been following him for a few years now is he Vu Church right yes, down in Miami yeah, him okay. and his wife run it together um and they used to be a part his dad is also a pastor and they also have a really successful church down in Miami um but no I just love him and his wife both um Rich and Daughtry Wilkerson they like I just like what they preach I like have never visited their church but I just like based off what I see and what I watch I just feel like it's a very well-respected church and they're very well-respected leaders um, I also follow them closely on social media with their family. And they His social just, media is incredible. They lead their family so well. Yeah. And you can tell. And, like, that's so admirable because, I mean, one day I hope to have my own children. And, like, I would just love to be, like, half the dad that he seems to be. Um, but then also more locally, um, at my church back in Kansas City, um, Church of the Four Corners, I think that um, Craig is one of the best pastors that I've really ever listened to. Um, I just really like the way he leads Church of the Four Corners. I think they cover areas of, um, at, like, different topics, I guess, like social issues that a lot of churches aren't willing to dive into. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting the way they talk about them, and I think it, they just teach it so well, um, which is really, really helpful, especially as a kind of former Catholic, I guess is what I'll call it, because just a lot of my thoughts towards different biblical stories and the way, like, we're called to do things is kind of convoluted because of that um but yeah then on a more kind of like just like leadership scale I guess um I one of my very good friends who was the student body president a few years ago Isaiah Villarreal I think he's such a great leader um both within leadership roles but also just in life um he's continued to serve as a mentor for me since he left Missouri State so yeah I would say I look up to all those people yeah um so Rich Wilkerson runs with, do you remember the, the book I gave both of y'all? Mm-hmm. Um, so those two, Judah Smith and Chad Veach, are all a part of a, a group that's been doing some like Instagram lives, and they're all like very good friends um, in general, um, but they kind of all come together. So um, why can I not think of literally my favorite pastor um, in the world? Um, I'm gonna look this up. Carl Lentz. Um, so Carl Lentz up in uh, Hillsong, New York, and then you've got uh, Judah Smith in Seattle and LA. Um, Chad Beach is in LA, and then Rich Wilkerson in Miami. So some of just the biggest cities, they're yeah. all like best friends, mm-hmm. and they just have fun together. So they're so great. Cool. Um, and Alex isn't even on the podcast, and we're getting the Church of the Four Corners hype. So um, yeah. it's fitting. I love it. Um, so right now, um, what would y'all say is kind of the biggest obstacle facing y'all as leaders? Um, I hope the answer is not your director of public affairs. Um, but if it is, I understand. I just won't give y'all a good review on the podcast. Um, but yeah, what, what's kind of the biggest obstacle you're facing now 
as a leader? Definitely COVID. And did it tell you they were really um, I would only say that because every single thing that we thought we knew has to change. And even just like running Senate meetings, if you anyone sees me before Senate, I'm literally sprinting around the room like a chicken with my head cut off, just trying to figure out what to do and how to make sure it's as flawless as possible. Um, which I know is never gonna happen, but it's just very hard because it's not only whenever there's like normal difficulties that would come with this position, it's that with COVID. So it's literally impacted every single thing and majority of the emails I get are from students who are worried or think masks are stupid or that we don't care about them and it's just something I never thought I'd have to deal with and I know that I was placed in this position during this time for a reason but that's just what I have to keep reminding myself because it is incredibly difficult yeah um what would you say um how do you approach those conversations and how do you try and um, point people to God in the middle of when not only are you having to focus on being a leader in a, a secular community, but also in the middle of a global pandemic, how are you trying to focus on pointing to people to, to God? Yeah, I think that whenever I get an email that's very just negative, I will just kind of validate them and their feelings because I know a lot of people who are emailing me just want to be heard and know that their voice matters right and so I will just kind of go back and be like I, I hear what you're saying I'm very sorry these are things that you're dealing with right now um, and just kind of listen and be there for them because I feel like that's not common anymore and I will point them to the resources I'll do the research for them I'll call who I need to call and whatever to give them the answers that they need um, and then before I like close out my email I'll just say I'm praying for you um, in your situation and just kind of like doing anything I can and know that and make them feel better like they accomplished something by sending that email and right. not just sending an email to send an email yeah um, so hopefully instead of like me going back and being angry about it and like well in re and because it's so easy I could say well that's dumb <laughs> or like I don't agree but just trying to be as loving as I can be yeah. when all I want to do is cry sometimes, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Blake, what do you uh, what do you think is the, the biggest struggle kind of facing being a leader right now? Um, since Tara said COVID, I'll take it a different route and say, I think I'm going to make mine too because I can never just answer with just one answer. That's just not how Of course. Work. But my two, I would say, would be um, it's a lot harder to be intentional, mm -hmm. but then also, like, more on, like, the personal side of things, I guess, I'm finding um, balance and, like, time management has been really challenging. So, with being intentional, I think it's an obstacle because um, I told myself this summer that this year I was going to try and be the most intentional I've ever been just because I felt like the last three years that I put so much of my involvement and kind of my work-related um, roles I'm filling, I put those above um, either spending time with my girlfriend or spending time with friends or just like really being intentional with people and like investing the time into them that they deserve. Um, and with COVID, that makes things like just twice as hard, obviously. I mean, one like, you know, right now, um, Tara, April, myself still aren't even doing our meetings with administrators in person. It's all over Zoom. So like, you know, we don't get to go and have those 
sit in meetings with these administrators and kind of build that camaraderie that way, but also we, it's really hard to do that in a lot of different areas on campus. Um, so I would say that, but then also just with like um, balance. I mean, it's been a really challenging um, bump because, you know, like I said, everything is virtual. So it's like right now I'm balancing a job part-time that I'm going in for, an internship that I'm doing part-time virtually, <laughs> this role, which is basically a full-time job, on top of being a full-time student, and all the other random stuff that I put on my plate. Yeah. And so it's like almost now more than ever, I'm, I'm, I almost feel like I'm back to my freshman year where I'm like trying to teach myself time management again yeah. because it just looks so much different now. Right. And like nothing is the same like it was, like Tara said. And so I think those two things would be huge. But being intentional is probably the more important one on that scale, I would say, just because, I don't know, I like, and I know Terry's really big on like intentionality as well. And so it's it has been really hard to, be able to connect to students and really like let them know like we are here not just saying like we're here but like getting to know them because there hasn't been a lot of opportunities that have like presented themselves to be able to make that happen yet so yeah well I think that's tough because I think um in a couple ways I've been struggling with that too where I feel like I'm giving like 50% effort to like 10 different things yeah. and and it's really hard to be like an intentional leader in SGA when you know I'm also trying to to be this and, and wear so many different hats and I think it almost feels like you know, COVID happens, we're all highly involved, y'all are in the middle of a campaign, um, COVID hits, um, and then everything takes a break, and then all of a sudden it feels like we just like start back up, and there was like no lead in. Like we just all of a sudden hit the ground running, and we'd done some prep from like Zoom and, and all online, but like it's hard to just all of a sudden start doing eight different things at one time. And when you've just spent the last four months of your life doing everything from the couch with criminal minds on in the background, like it's just like yeah. a completely different, like 180 of a lifestyle. And I think it's, it's hard for leaders to, to balance that. Well, and it's so challenging how like, in essence, everything changed overnight and it never went back, yeah. you yeah. know? So it was like, you either kind of had to adapt or just kind of like drown in what was happening because that was the only option, you know? And so now we're at that point now where it's like, now we're being forced to dive back into everything without really any like directions on how to do so or like mm -hmm. how to go about things because there's no guidelines on how to do anything because no one knows what's going on, yeah. right? you know? And that I and think has been like so hard. it's not like it's just gonna stop either. No. Like right. we're gonna have to transition into something else, but yeah. It's not like it's just like something's going to be like, okay, it's all over. Take off your mask. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think um, as somebody who's like studied organizations, I think from that standpoint, COVID is going to um, benefit a lot of organizations post COVID. Mm -hmm. They will have learned a lot of really good processes. People can learn how to streamline efficiency and, and become better communicators and yeah. making Zoom an option for people to, to join meetings who are sick when it's not COVID or just can't physically be there for some reason. I think there are things we've learned in this process, but to be the ones implementing those things is a miserable time. For yeah. sure. And it's not it's not a fun time to be a leader. I didn't even know Zoom was a thing until all this. Yeah. I'd done one Zoom meeting in my life and it was my interview for The Walk. Mm -hmm. We did that with A21 on Zoom last year. Mm -hmm. And then all of the sudden... It's the most well-known organization yeah. in the world. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, quite honestly, I think once COVID is not really over, but I guess way more settled down than what it is now, 
I think that we'll see everything change again just because like you were saying I think everything will be adaptable you know um we met with the president of 417 last week and she was like even with 417 I see this company changing so much once COVID's gone because we've learned that you don't need to be in the office from nine to five anymore you know like even without a pandemic that's just not a necessity it's just something it's just the way life was but then we kind of got this like reset and now we're taught like okay actually we can do this a few different ways you know and so I think we'll see potentially more parents working from home or more people like out at coffee shops or like restaurants out in the day working because I just don't think that typical nine to five office day I mean it's still going to be there but I think a lot of I think we'll see a lot of companies and businesses kind of shift away from that there's going to be some flexibility for sure which I I think is cool I mean it sucks what had to happen for us to get there but I think I think that's a cool step Mm -hmm. to take um so largely with y'all's positions um it calls for you to kind of be in the room with people who are highly qualified. I mean, PhDs and, and um, people who are significantly older. Um, what do you do to kind of convince yourself that you deserve to have a seat at the table? What do you tell yourself to kind of qualify yourself in your mind? Because I think that's a difficult thing facing a lot of leaders. It's yeah. imposter syndrome. It's I, I don't belong here. So what do y'all do to kind of negate that last year was really hard for me as chief of staff with two guys that were president and vice president because every meeting they would all talk to them and basically ignore me and I would be in a meeting and I'd say an idea and then someone next to me would say the exact same idea and they he'd get the credit and I wouldn't and it's not like I need the credit but it's just frustrating that I felt because I was a woman and I was younger that no one really cared what I said and I even saw that, I don't know if you even noticed this, Blake, but we were at a networking event and someone introduced us to some dude and he was like, oh, this is a student body president and vice president of Missouri State. And then he pointed to Blake, he's like, president, and then me, vice president. I was like, mm. no, president, vice president. <laughs> um, it's just kind of hard because I was also told that I would never get here because of my personality, because I'm too bubbly and too friendly and I just wouldn't be a good leader. And I was told that a lot last year, which was really hard for me. And I was like, and I prayed a lot about it because I was like, okay, there's all different types of leaders. Just because I don't lead like this person doesn't mean I'm not going to be a good leader. Um, <laughs> can you repeat your question? <laughs> I was, uh, how, how do you convince <laughs> oh, yourself that you yeah, deserve yeah, a seat yeah. at the table? Um, I think that... I just kind of recognize more that they're people and they just want to like, they don't want to have you think that they're these big uptight people. Um, I think with like President Smart and Dr. Cisco and T. Benson and uh, just Hornberger, <laughs> like all of them, just treating them like just friends because they're kind of excited to see you. And whenever I was at their house, I literally was having, when I was at President Smart and Gail's house, I was just having the best conversation with Gail, like we were best friends. And I was like, the age thing doesn't really matter. It's, I think at first it's a little intimidating, but if you're walking that room confidently, like you deserve to be there, then like all that kind of goes out the window. Cause they're not trying to make you feel stupid, especially right. like at the school, they want you to succeed and they want you to do great. Um, and I think that's majority of like older people you meet with, but if there's, you're going to run into people that just like think they're so much better and all you got to do is just keep like telling yourself those promises of like who you are and your identity. Do you think, um, 
having those negative interactions with people and and kind of feeling put down has that changed the way you interact with others um in an intentional way of avoiding doing that to them yeah. like is that something you're consciously like aware like i i need to make sure that they they don't feel the way i felt yeah i think a lot of it is validating people and their feelings and validating like hey it's okay to feel like this way it's okay yeah. to like not be um okay i guess that just because you're a leader doesn't mean you have to have it all together and you're allowed to be as goofy as you want, as serious as you want. Like, we need those kind of leaders for different things. Like, if God wanted us to be the exact same, we would be. Right. Yeah. Blake, do you have, have kind of any thoughts on kind of making yourself feel more qualified in those positions? Yeah. Um, I would say one of my strong suits is I've always... I feel like I've always remained the same within my character, my personality, no matter what room I'm in. Doesn't matter if I'm with, you know, just President Smart, which has not happened yet, but if it was just us, you know, like getting dinner or something versus like me and Terry, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just the same person to everyone. And I think, hope my hope is at least, I think that's got, got me where I am. You know, I think because I've always just like stay true to who I am and I don't really change my personality for different people that goes a long way, you know, mm-hmm. and like, um, I mean, <laughs> granted, there, there's definitely some people that can be intimidating at first, um, I think the person I was most intimidated by was Dr. Cisco, and I just think it's because she is, like, the ultimate boss woman. Oh, she is. And so, <laughs> she's, like, she's a queen. Yeah, like, when she walks around campus, I'm like, yes, ma'am, and I just kind of <laughs> put my head down, and I'm like, yes, all right, um, you know, but now getting to work with her and getting to work with President Smart and Dr. Smith, it's like, like Tara said, they're just people. I mean, yeah. really the, the only difference, and I know it's a big difference, but they have, most of them have a PhD and they have a really high role. But at the end of the day, like they're human too. Right. And I think that's what's helped me a lot, um, getting comfortable. I mean, now um, Tara, April and I meet with Dr. Smith weekly and I am so much so myself with oh, Dr. Yeah. Smith. And she accepts that so greatly even though sometimes I'm the biggest hot mess on the phone call and oh my God. <laughs> I think I think ultimately though that's the beauty of getting to work with these people yeah. is like like Tara said like we invest in them but they also probably even more than we want to want to invest in us which yeah. is really really helpful um but then I think kind of taking it more personal like Tara did um there's a professor of mine who's also my advisor who always told me like like you should never walk in somewhere feeling unqualified or feeling like you don't have a seat at the table and he's like even when you're interviewing for a job or position like it's okay to tell yourself like i'm going to get this he was like because you need confidence and like you need to believe believe in yourself and so i think that um has really helped it's like okay so in most rooms i walk in like there's not really a big reason why i don't deserve a seat at the table you know and I mean, granted, there may be some situations where that's just not applicable, but in most situations, it's like, no, I deserve this. Like, I worked really hard the last three years to get where I am, and that's not to be cocky at all. It's just how, you know what I mean? It's right. like, I have put the work in, and I've been very intentional and relational with people over the last three years, and so it's like, yes, I deserve to be here. And I also, you know, like, I also deserve to be sitting next year to Tara and April, because they also deserve it just as much. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think it's important to remember that you're never the only one who who feels that way like everybody in the room Mm -hmm. likely feels at one point or another like i'm kind of faking it right now Mm -hmm. and i i i may not be the most qualified um and that makes us all inherently more qualified um no i like that 
Um, what is it like? Um, student leadership positions are the weirdest mm-hmm. um, because you go from leading, like you go from being just like friends, and then there's like a weird power dynamic. Mm-hmm. So what's it like leading? peers and kind of doing the peer leadership role and, and even being in a position where you're leading friends quite honestly challenging yeah why um well so i think this is the first um i wouldn't say the first position that i've experienced that but i think the most heavily yes um because i mean one it stems from you know like we've said we've all been in the same organization leading together these last couple of years and then also outside of that, I just felt really strong, you know, outside of SGA relationships. And so now when it's like, we're going back into the situation, but it looks different now because, you know, Tara and I are kind of leading and we're the ones in charge, but then some of our best friends are people that we're advising and managing okay. through. It can be really strange, you know, because it's like, I think honestly, sometimes that's where I question my, like, like eligibility to be there mm-hmm. is like in those experiences because I'm like, like sometimes a friend will ask me something on cabinet and sometimes I genuinely in my head, I'm like, I have no idea how to answer this question right now. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm like, mm, I feel like I should know this, you know? And so maybe I'm not supposed to be here, but I think with, with leading friends, it is a very weird dynamic sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think, um, I think if it's an uncomfortable thing, you just kind of have to talk with that person on how to kind of work that out. Like, I feel like with like both you and Jarrett, who I both manage on my half of cabinet, that was one thing I was worried about was like, okay, so these are two of my really good friends outside of SGA. Now I'm kind of overseeing them. What does that look like? Right. But now I've like, you know, we've been in it four weeks and it has not been weird at all. I don't feel weird about it, but I think it's just this like mentality of like, oh, well now there's a power shift, like you said, and that's a little strange, right. you know? So I think, um, I think maybe the harder part of that really more so is keeping it professional sometimes. You know, it's like remembering like, okay, yes, I do have to help them get something done. You know, and I think that has been a thing for me, like across the board. Yeah. So. Tara, any any additional <laughs> thoughts? Um, I think the first thing was when we were first getting everything in order. I was scared of how do I start off? Like, am, do I be a little like more strict, or do I be like super friendly? Because once you are super f- good friends with someone, they might not take you as seriously. Mm-hmm. And so with like friends like you. You are you. I already respect you, and you respect me, so it wasn't a big issue. I was like, okay, I know he's gonna do what he needs to do because he's qualified, great leader, all this. But it's like with the other newer people on cabinet, it's I want to be your friend. I want to be there for you. I want to help you through things, but also I need you to get your job done. Right. Um, and that was something really challenging, but I think that just completely humbling myself was one of the biggest things because we have Mac, who literally is and AJ, who are just queens at sustainability. And I'm just like, I'll be completely honest, every time I'm on a one-on-one, I'm like, I don't know anything about sustainability. I use way too many paper towels. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, what? do you need anything from me? Do you have any questions? Can I help you with anything? The, or like, whatever. But just saying, at the beginning of the year, I don't know much about your position because you literally kill it every time. So I'm gonna let you do whatever the heck you want, and if you need me, I'm here. Yeah. But just completely like, and that's why we chose who we chose is because mm-hmm. having full confidence in them, and I don't want her to think like, oh, she's the president, like I need to blah blah blah, because I don't care. It's not like I introduce myself to people. I'm like, hi, I'm Tara Orr, student body president. Like, 
I will meet people and they will never find that out about me because it's not who I am. It's not my identity. Like this is my yep. role for a year and that's it. So like there's going to be there are student body presidents before me and there's going to be some after me. And I don't want this year to ruin any relationships because I was so power hungry or right. I don't know. But just I think just recognizing that it is just a role and it's not like who I am. So I don't have any right to try to like rule over someone, but also like have those adult conversations of, Hey, I kind of, I'm expecting more for you right now. Or, Hey, I think this is what I need you to prioritize. And I need this done by this date. And they might be like, okay, that's a little rough, but I'm like, also, if you can't do that, how are you going to succeed in life? Right. No, I think, um, being in that role and, and being a student leader, I think there are so many um, difficult um, aspects to, to being a student leader. I mean, high turnover rates. There's, you know, you only have the position for a year. How do you enforce your goals? Like, there's a lot of weird things, but I think the weirdest one has to be leading friends. And I think that can kind of tug on, on your own health. I think you're getting bombed. We might. I think be, there's just fireworks everywhere. There are fireworks. I don't know. It's Saturday night. Missouri State lost by 50. Who's launching off fireworks in celebration? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, a big piece of this conversation that I kind of want to focus on now, um, and the reason we're, we're doing this interview um, instead of kind of a normal episode is um, a goal of, of the podcast and um, just all of us as individuals is focusing on mental health. Um, it is National Suicide Prevention Month. Um, National Suicide Prevention Day was earlier uh, this week. Um, and kind of knowing both of you personally, this is something that I know you both prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to ask you just a few questions about um, some, some strategies you have um, in, in being a leader and, and struggling with um, balancing your, your mental health and prioritizing it. Um, and so my, my first question um, and this is something that I don't think we've actually talked about a whole lot. Um, you both kind of went through a campaign process um, that can be kind of um, toxic at times. It, it can bring you down. You know, you're in the public eye and, and you're being critiqued in front of a whole lot of people. How do you go about um, not letting that tear you down from like a mental health standpoint? just reminding myself of like who God says I am um, and knowing that that people aren't mad at me they're mad at the position they're mad at leadership there's nothing that I personally did and if I did I have grown from that and learned from that um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect and there's probably things I could have handled differently but just it was a very hard time like we had one person specifically that like blasted us and then Cam came to the rescue and they fought over Facebook it was amazing <laughs> I'm very quick to fight with people <laughs> on Facebook um, but it there's times where I was like why am I doing this like this is ridiculous I don't it's not worth it because there was so much drama within this campaign season too and I hate drama so much um, but there's so many times I wanted to quit or I was like, it's not even worth it anymore. Like, this isn't fun. This is supposed to be fun. This is honestly pointless, worthless. It was awful. But I was just had to keep reminding myself. I'm like, okay, if this is God's will, then it will happen. I'm going to give it my all no matter what. 
Yeah. Um, and just, like I said, reminding myself of my identity in Christ and who he says I am and not letting someone who's hurt or who isn't a believer to say things about me that aren't true because we're all broken. So, yeah. 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 100%. Blake? Yeah, I would say um, something she kind of touched on was like, the thing I was reminding myself was ultimately, I feel like when people either knocked us down or just in general SGA, I think it's really important to remind myself like, okay, it's not a personal attack. Because ultimately they're not mad at me as a person, you know, or maybe that's just what I tell myself. To <laughs> better, I'm not sure. Hey, that's a strategy. But, you know, in most situations, I feel like, like Tara said, it's like, they're not necessarily mad at Tara, April, or myself. They're more so mad at maybe a policy that we're trying to enforce that someone may not agree with, whether it's politically or personally or whatever that looks like. Um, you know, or maybe it's someone feels like SGA is not taking enough of a stance on something, you know. And so once again, it's like, it's not necessarily... I, I always tell myself, like, no one's personally attacking me, or at least that hasn't happened yet. There's plenty of months left for people to do so. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think it's that. It's like, but SGA is a very, I don't want to say targeted because that kind of sounds negative, but I think that's the best word to use right now. It's like, it's a targeted group. It's a highly looked at group by students, faculty, outside, people outside of the university. And so I think there is a lot of pressure being in these roles in that way. Um, campaigning was really tough this year. Um, Thankfully, I've only been through one SGA campaign, unlike Tara, but um, it was really hard. And I mean, a lot of what she said, I would retweet, but then also, I think one of the hardest things too is, I mean, bringing in COVID again. It's like, you know, we went through this very hard change of starting everything in person. I mean, we visited every campus organization possible. Praise God that that was before the COVID Yes, 100%. But then it was like, once again, overnight, everything changed. And then it became a completely social media-based campaign. And so a lot of that can be super wearing on your mental health. Because you're like, okay, so um, one, I'm busy nonstop. And all I want to do is sleep. Or all I want to do is just like get my homework done and do, you know, what I need to do. And then when, when COVID hit and we switched, that was really hard. Because I think for most people that struggle with mental health, I think being in quarantine in general, it's like everything else out of it was super, super hard. I mean, I know yeah. it's hard for me. A lot of my friends echoed that as well. Um, and it wasn't just like a one week thing. It was like most of quarantine was really challenging mental health wise because most of us were, you know, essentially kind of staying in our homes, not really going out a whole lot. If we were, it was like maybe for a walk, but even that was kind of sketched sometimes. So, you know, I think, I think it was really hard. And I think there's, um, it's still hard in a lot of ways, um, even still sort of dealing with COVID because um, I think, like I mentioned way earlier, I think that balance is really challenging. And I think that mental health is like a direct impact on that. So, yeah, I think it's just difficult to kind of be in the, I mean, and obviously small scale, but like the public eye mm-hmm. for, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to kind of come down from that. I mean, I remember one of my most low, like my lowest moments over the last few years was right after our homecoming campaigns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as soon as it was announced, and like that was one of the most wonderful periods of my life. For sure. But like as soon as it was announced, I like went out to lunch with my parents. I didn't talk. And like I went home. I slept for days. Mm-hmm. And part of it was it was just a tiring process, but also like you go from everybody looking at you to then just like I'm drained. And the emotions that I couldn't put out over the last who knows how long are now hitting me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's something that I don't think people realize leaders have to deal with is you don't control when those emotions hit. 
but you have to. And that's like a really difficult balance. Um, so kind of within that, how do you go about um, now as, you know, the elected leaders and, and even just um, outside of SGA, prioritizing yourself and, and your mental health and making sure that you're in a place where um, you are, are truly caring for yourself the way that, that God cares about you? I would say um, this semester specifically, and I'm still working on it. I think it's something that as leaders we're always working on. I don't think anyone's ever got their like <laughs> schedule down packed or like their mental health completely in check as a student leader. Um, but yeah, for me, I would say the biggest thing I've changed this year is I've tried to make boundaries for myself. Um, so for me, like what that looks like is, as I mentioned, I you know serve in many different roles and jobs and what um, have you this semester. And so I've kind of made this rule for myself where I'm like, okay, if I'm not at KSMU, I'm not doing anything with KSMU. If I'm not, you know, in the scheduled hours for my internship, I'm not doing anything with 417. You know, and I think the challenging part is our roles don't really get an 8 to 5 schedule. It's kind of a non-stop thing that if something arises, we just have to deal with. Um, but as far as, like, kind of self-care goes, I think the biggest thing is there's sometimes where I have to remind myself, like, you know what, if it doesn't get done today... No one's gonna die over it, you know? Like everything is gonna be okay. And honestly, I may be a little stressed a few days from now, but I think that long-term I'll appreciate it more because I took the time to go and hang out with someone or I took the time to go and, you know, make dinner with my girlfriend. That's the thing we do really often. And so it's like those, like learning how to prioritize those things on top of everything you're doing, I think is really, really important for your mental health. Because then the other thing is like, you know, for me, I'm always like, um, Sometimes I find putting people and relationships at the bottom of everything else I'm doing, which is something I've been working through. Um, but I think I think with that, it's like I just so much so try to just balance it all out. Yeah. I try to find the time to make things happen. And, you know, like I said, if that means like, okay, today I'm just going to stop an hour early. Even if that's probably going to affect me later on, I'm just going to stop, you know, and I think that is so, so, so important. I mean, it's like on Friday, I was supposed to be doing my internship, which is not my proudest moment, but <laughs> I went home and I, when I went home, I took a nap. And to be honest, I didn't even really do that internship shift. And am I kind of upset about it? Yeah. Am I still kind of dealing with that? Yes. Will I probably be stressed out more this week because of it? Absolutely. But I also realized that I went home and I slept for a while. And then I also was still able to go to bed really early last night. And I was like, okay, so that just shows like I am exhausted and I'm drained from everything I'm doing. And sometimes if that means taking a step back and putting myself first, like that is okay. Yeah. You know? hundred percent. Tara? Um, I think that it's something I have to kind of work on day by day. Um, it has been incredibly hard be and I like kind of am ashamed of myself that I don't feel like I'm as positive or there for people as I should be. Um, because I do give a lot, but I wish that I could just be happier and more bubbly, bubbly like I usually or I used to be before all of this. It's very draining for sure. I something I do like is running every morning. That's just something I started within the past like month, month and a half to kind of take care of like my health because there's just I feel like every aspect of my life right now is kind of a crap show, whether it be roommates, family, school, everything, and. So I'm still figuring it out and trying to be there for everyone else and trying to figure out like who I can go to. 
I do have groups in church that I go to and different small groups and I lead a small group and I'm able to open up to those girls and that I'm pouring into and just let them know like just because you wear these hats and have these roles doesn't mean like we have it all together and Mm. talking to other leaders like we have someone on cabinet that he is really really struggling and just trying to be there for him because I don't think that he ever talks about it and when he does it's like okay like keep talking I'm trying to get it out of your system because I know how hard it is to hold it in but yeah my mental health has not been great we're gonna work on it yeah um but I think the one thing that within at least the last week that I'm really trying is just getting in the word every day and just making sure I'm doing that for myself at least yeah well and and you know you you kind of bring up um you know, having people in your organization who, who are struggling with mental health. Um, I know I'm one, and, and you both are, are probably in the same boat. Um, Missouri State is, is known for having, like, high numbers of students who have, have taken their lives over the last four years. I mean, I can think of one almost every semester. Yeah. Um, and, and they've been people that I've, I've worked with, people that I, you know, I was, you know, last year I was a dude's boss mm-hmm. when, when he took his own life. And... Um, you know, other people I went on um, bear breaks trips with and different things. And I think it's difficult to bear that burden mm-hmm. of both after the fact thinking like, where did I come short? And I think it's, it's one thing to be reflective of how you can be better in a situation. Um, it's another to take the blame. Yeah. Um, but even being um, proactive about how can I um, be the leader that um, people need when it comes to mental health and how can I support them without completely bearing the burden because it, it, it can't be on you to, yeah. to save everybody's life. So um, I guess my, my question is um, how do you go about leading others who are struggling with mental health? How do you approach um, being an empathetic leader while also being assertive and being, mm-hmm. um, being intentional in that way? I think the biggest thing and I think this is what I need to do for other people, and I hope that other people, well, I know that other people do for me also, but I think just, like, simply listening is a great first step. Um, I think being that person that someone can come to is super beneficial because a lot of people don't feel like they have anyone or don't feel like they can open up, which I think is a lot of um, the kind of issue at hand there. Um so like Tara said, it's like, you know, she is someone that she's been speaking with. And I think for me, it's like, I, I, one of the things I really credit myself on is I think I'm super observant. So I like pay attention to people's personalities and like their facial expressions and just like the way they act. And so for me, I'm like, if I feel like someone is off in any way, shape or form, I mean, even if it ends up just like they didn't get enough sleep last night, like I always, always check in because that's my biggest thing is I'm always very keen on like, okay, why is this person acting different? Or is this person okay? You know, or like maybe if like someone hasn't been showing up, I'm like, why aren't they showing up? What's going on? But then I think much like you touched on, I think being proactive and just like taking action when necessary is super important. Um, I know for me, um, like I said, just like thinking about people, I'm like, okay, were they okay? And so I'm big on just like texting someone and being like, are you okay? Or like, how is your day going? You know, just to like, see if I'll get anything out of it. And if I get nothing, that's okay. Like, I respect that. 
you know, but my goal is like, okay, hopefully I'm build, I'm like making this environment and this community between us where like they can feel comfortable to open up to me and I can be that person for them. Um, not because I should have to carry the burden or I want to much like you said, but I want to be able to be a listening ear for someone if they feel like they have no one else, mm-hmm. but then also to be able to be like, okay, also this is what you can do, you know? So like as a student leader, big thing I always push is that like our counseling center has free counseling every single semester, which right. honestly is really freaking cool, yeah. you know? And that's a big thing for, um, for me, I always say like, I think that just shows how much Missouri State prioritizes mental health because yeah. they've seen the uptick in numbers of suicide on our own campus and they've seen the amount of students that are coming through the counseling center semester in semester out um so yeah i would say just being a listening ear being proactive when you notice something that looks off or honestly if you're just like thinking about someone you just want to check in even if everything's completely fine um because i know a lot of people do that for me and for me that goes a long way whether it is something that's going wrong or something i'm just having a you know whatever day and they just thought i was a little off like i know that's really appreciated People do it for me, so that's my goal is to do that for other people as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Tara? Um, I make sure, and like, I one of the biggest things I can do personally is just pray. I, it sounds silly, I pray for Missouri State, like students, and like the fact that this is something we all have to go through in this time. I am a really good friends with a lot of people who are graduated, and they, a lot of them admit they were like, I could never have done this, and it's not like we have a choice. Right. Um, but a lot of what Blake said, just reaching out and just being that a listening ear for them. Because um, there's a lot of people that will have like our one-on-one or I'll just have a conversation, start one, and then all of a sudden they start to like open up and then I just keep trying to like get them to because I think that there's not a lot of, this is like a very self-centered world that we live in and I try to be as selfless as I can um, knowing I'm going to mess up but trying as much as I can for others. And then, like, like just texting, making sure they're okay. and um, Or texting people, I'm like, hey, I've been thinking of you today. I just want to reach out. And just admitting, like, that, that's, like, being vulnerable with people, too. I think that if you can't be vulnerable with people, then you can't be a good leader. Right. Because, yeah. But, yeah, basically what Blake said. <laughs> good job. <laughs> I think one thing that, that I've tried to, to be more intentional about over the last couple of years is recognizing other people's love languages mm-hmm. and like i know you know sometimes i get dunked on for being as obsessed with personality tests as as i am but i think that it's like a really good way to learn to intentionally care for people yeah for and, sure. and if i understand like my go-to is gift giving like that is what i do the most we are all aware <laughs> and <laughs> that's why like i'm very quick to like just venmo people or buy them coffee or, or things like that because that's how like I feel like I'm loving people, mm-hmm. but like recognize okay that might not be how everybody feels cared for, and so knowing okay how how am I going to care for them in a way that makes them feel valued, opposed to making me feel oh I did a good thing, because yeah. there's a big difference in kind of narcissistic yeah. um, sympathy opposed to like mm-hmm. intentional empathy. Yeah. yeah, and I talk with my roommate about that a lot of. It's like, oh, okay, like, if she's going through something, like, do you want me to listen? Do you want advice? Or, like, what do you want from this? Right. And it's not, like, a mean thing. It's 
what how can I best love you in this like yeah. what what you're going through and it's a lot of the time it's just listening and I'm a very outward processor so I need to like get it out of my head to someone just as a sounding board and that's not all the time like I don't want advice I don't want you to fix it I just want you to listen to me complain <laughs> yeah well and I know that's like my shortcoming I love fixing and so sometimes I need to be told like hey I just want to talk I don't need you to go fix my problems yeah. and I've, I've had friends who've told me that they're like I know you're gonna try and fix this but like you can't it's not on you yeah but I think another thing honestly like along with listening is just like being present like mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people like literally just like us sitting in this room even if we were completely silent for the next hour like for some people that's huge right you know like feeling like someone is physically there you know even if there's not a whole lot coming out of the conversation I think that's so big and I think for a lot of people too it's like um we confide in people for different things yeah um and I mean that in the best way possible. Like, I, I'm, like, I know I'm that way too. Like, I, there's a lot of different people that I'm like, okay, I know that if I'm feeling this way, this is probably a really great person to go to for that, you know? And so for me, even, like, I think about being in my office every single day because I spend way too much time in there. And for me, I've noticed, like, there's certain people that will pop in my office at a random point in the day. And, like, immediately I just feel, like, a rise in, like, the way I'm feeling. Yeah. You know? And I think it's because different people bring out different things in me. And that's huge, yeah. you know, because it's like, what if I am having a really stressed out day and the one fix I needed was just like someone that I really care about to show up and just like sit with me and like, let me talk, you know, or literally just like be there. We can both work on our own things, but like them being there is like huge for me, yeah. you know, and I know a lot of people like that also. And so I think that's just as big. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So one thing, one thing we like to do um, to, to close out every episode is just kind of ask what is one thing if if somebody's listening and and you have one thing to tell them based on what we've talked about what is the one thing you think people need to take away from from this conversation from this topic looking at leadership mental health um all of it what is like the one thing you really just want to nail in the first thing that came to my head is just you're loved and you're enough yeah yeah absolutely Blake, any thoughts? Mm. <laughs> I'm a big talker. So I would say just like always being like as a leader specifically, always being willing to start the conversation, even if it's a really challenging topic. Yeah. Um, I've found in my experiences, I think that's something that's always gone really far is being willing to like, okay, I'm not sure how this room's going to be receptive to this topic, but I think it's really important I bring it up. You know, it's like when I was leading my fraternity a few years ago, there would be some nights where we just stop, we put the chairs in a circle, and I'd be like, okay, what's going on? You know, we're going to put everything about this organization aside and like genuinely what is going on with you. So I think as a friend, as a leader, as a partner to someone, whatever that looks like for you, I think just being able to like start the conversation goes such a long way because a lot of people aren't off the bat just going to open up to you about things, you know? And so it's like you have to build that comfortable space for them and that space where they know like okay this is a place where I'm respected and what I'm going to say is going to be heard and like what I'm saying is taken at value you know and I think that is so huge like I said both leadership but also in a personal life like whether that be you leading an organization or you having coffee with a friend like I think that's so 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 important yeah absolutely I think that intentionality has to has to be there I think that's something we can all learn from um well thank you both for, for joining us this week. I've been trying to get 
um, y'all on the podcast for a little while and trying to think of ways to get you on here. So this uh, this works out well. Um, thank you all for, for listening. If you have any thoughts or any feedback, um, you can find us at Plainscore at Plainsight underscore pod on all our socials or plainsightpod at gmail.com. Um, this has been fun. Um, I'm glad to, to get to do this. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. Peace out.